16, and uh, we're going to look at several things here, kind of picking up where we left off. We're talking about, uh, there was a gentleman, Asa, and uh, Abijah, and um, Asa was a, a king that really did do some wonderful things uh, for the Lord. He cleared house, he got rid of idols, he, he just made God first. And um, he would have a prophet come to him and, and give him encouragement and help him and, you know, just give him God's word. And, and uh, the, the thing is we find as we go through 1 Kings, and really if you go through any of the historical books, 1 2 Samuel, 1 2 Kings, 1 2 Chronicles, uh, you go through any of these historical books, one of the things that really is an overarching idea here is that despite Israel's foolishness, despite their sinfulness, we still find God's sovereign hand leading uh, a people. And you know, one of the things that that shows us <clears throat> is that none, of, you know, that none of us are perfect, and yet we, God still accepts us and advocates for us despite our, our, our faults, our failures. And, uh, but he desires for holiness. Anyways, God overrules here, and uh, Israel continues to bear witness of the Lord. And we'll get to the first kings here in just a moment. But uh, there's two kings, two kingdoms instead of one. And uh, one of them was Abijah. He only reigned for three years. And he did not do a very, you know, his centuries, his people guarding him, did not do a very good job. And uh, he was ambushed. You know, his men that should have been protecting him, they ambushed him. So his soldiers didn't do a, a wonderful job. You have another man, Asa, in 1 Kings chapter 15, verses 9 through 24. And uh, he ruled for 41 years. From around the year 910 B.C. to the year 869 B.C. And he began with a heart like that of David. And when to, to have such an admonition by the Lord of having a heart like David, a man after God's own heart, you don't find that very often in, 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 in the kings uh, of Judah that are listed. Many of them might say he did that which is good, but not after the heart of David his father. So to have Asa have a description of him, he did right after the heart of his father. Asa gave his heart fully to God. And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 11, if you wanted to look at that. There are three major divisions in Asa's life. First of all, there was peace and victory. And thankful to his father's victory over Jeroboam, Asa had peace the first ten years of his reign. And we looked at that in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 1. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead, and in his days the land was quiet ten years. So uh, Abijah sleeps with his fathers. He's only reigned for a short time. Asa takes the rule. And uh, like his father, Asa knew how to call on the Lord in the day of trouble. And that's an important thing for each and every one of us to understand. I was just looking... In First Peter, cast you know, uh, cast all your care upon him, for he careth upon you, you know, for he careth for you. Excuse me, um, and this—that's not verbatim there, but that's the idea. First Peter, that I can bring my cares to the Lord. And Asa, in the first part of his reign, he had peace 
and he had victory. He had, he was surrounded. Uh, there was reformation and renewal. I mean, he realizes, listen, I'm young. I don't quite know what I'm doing. God is for me. God's helping me. I have peace with neighbors around me. Praise the Lord. Uh, then comes reformation and renewal. And, and the second phase of his, of his uh, ministry, of his kingdom and his monarchy, he deals more severely with sin uh, in the land than he did in the first part of his uh, his tenure. He expelled the shrine of the Sodomites. He says, if it's against God, I'm against it. So he gets rid of that which God calls sin. He removes his own grandmother. I mean, the very fact that he would remove his own queen grandmother because she had an idolatrous shrine in a grove, he's saying, you know what? God first. It tells us in Scripture that, you know, oftentimes... Uh, in, in, in Matthew, it talks about setting the father and the, the, you know, the daughter and the father and the son against one another. You know, no man hath, you know, <laughs> you got to love Christ first more than mother or father. Or, you know, and, that, and that's oftentimes in our mindset, it's God first. In significant times throughout Jewish history, you find leaders and people that renew their commitments to the Lord. And, and it's an example for churches today in this very thing. Asa led a rededication. I mean, it's like revival in the land. He says, God first. We're going to get rid of idols. We're going to reinstitute all that needs to be. We're going to honor God. But then in verse 16, something happens. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 24. And I want you to follow along with me uh, as we look at this. And something happens in our lives. We can get on fire for God. We can get rid of sin, and then little by little, the victories and the power and the strength and the comfort of life that we had that once was absolutely dependent on God in the, the less tumultuous times of life, we begin to assert ourselves and my thoughts and my thinking, and I begin to relapse. Because one, when, I start, when Asa starts off, he's God-dependent. When he comes into the third phase of his, of his kingdom, of his reign, he begins to become self-dependent. And when I'm depending upon myself and my strength, great hurt and pain ensues. For, verse 16 of 1 Kings chapter 15, would you follow along with me? There was war between Asa and Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. And Baasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might not suffer any to go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took all the silver and the gold that were left in the treasures of the house of the Lord. What's he doing? He's stealing God's money. And delivered them into the hand of his servants. And king Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tabramon, the son of Hezion, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league, so they make, between me and thee, and between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent unto thee a present of silver and gold. Come and break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. What is the ultimate God here? The God here is money. Money. He says, my money is better than Baasha's money. My dad had a league with your dad, so why don't we keep on that league? 
So Ben-Hadad hearkened unto King Asa and sent the captives of the host, which he had against the cities of Israel, and smote Ejon and Dan and Abel-Beth-Meacha and all Sinneroth in all the land of Naphtali. And it came to pass, when Baasha heard thereof, that he left off building of Ramah and dwelt in Terzah. Then King Asa made a proclamation throughout all Judah, none was exempt, and they took away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof, wherewith Baasha had built it, and King Asa built with them Geba of Benjamin and Mizpah. The rest of all the acts of Asa and all his might and all that he did, and the cities which he built, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? Nevertheless, in the time of his old age, he was diseased in his feet. And Asa slept with his fathers, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David his father, and Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his stead. He goes to Ben-Hadad and says, listen, let's make a league. You, got, you now have a covenant with Israel, the ten tribes, but you know what, you know my, our dads, they were pals. I mean, they were buddies. So break that, here's some money, I'll entice you, you follow me. What happens, King Asa begins to follow the money. He takes it from God's house. You know, oftentimes, when we begin to relapse, we take what belongs to the Lord and we use it for our own purposes. And Baasha fortifies Ramah, which was located about six miles north of Jerusalem. He would be able to monitor his own people who might go to Jerusalem also and launch his own attack on Judah. And after all that the Lord had done for Asa, you think that Asa would call his people together to confess, to seek the Lord with his will about this very serious situation. What does he do, though? He resorts to politics. Politics. And many times, even in churches, when things go awry, rather than going to the Lord for wisdom on situations, we play politics his side, her side, my side, your side, so forth. Rather, and that's an act of unbelief. He takes the dedicated treasures from God's house and gives them to a pagan nation. Assyria was attacking Israel from the north. Baasha would have to abandon Ramah and move north to defend his country. King Asa not only followed the bad example of his father, Abijah, in making an unholy alliance, they were commanded, don't make any league or alliance with the people of the land. Israel had departed from God. None of the Israelite kings were holy. None of the kings of Israel, I'm talking the ten tribes, when I say Israel, when I'm talking Judah, I'm talking Judah and Benjamin, so the split has already happened after Rehoboam. None of these kings were holy or had a desire for the things of God in their heart. Now, we do find a repentance of uh, Ahab, but... By and large, there was not a desire for the things of God. King Asa not only followed the bad example, uh, he insisted that Ben-Hadad lie and break his treaty with Israel. So he's, he's, he's going to unbelief. Then he's asking another man to be unethical. This is not, a, this is not going the right direction. 
and perhaps, you know, maybe Abijah had made a pact with Ben-Hadad or married one of the Syrian princesses, but irrespective of this, uh, you know, following the example of, of uh, Solomon here, Second Chronicles 13, 21, but Abijah waxed mighty and married 14 wives and begat 20 and 2 sons and 16 daughters. And uh, so, potentially, you know, this is the thought that maybe there's a, you know, in this pact that was made with Asa's dad, Abijah, that there was a, uh, you know, a, a marriage to a pagan person, someone that doesn't know Christ. Ben here, Ben Hadad takes his silver and gold, he breaks his promise with Israel. He captures the cities of Aijon, Dan, Abel Maim uh, in the north, and then he marches through the tribe of Naphtali and takes all the important storage cities. He gains control over major storage routes. He cripples Baasha's power and his income. I mean, this is going well for Asa. He's thinking, man, these politics are amazing. I have saved Judah. Asa conscripts the people to go to Ramah and carry off the stones and the timber. He says, I want you to take away Israel's fortified cities. I want you to take the supplies, Mizpah about two and a half miles north of Ramah, and Geba about the same distance east. Judah had extended its border as far as Bethel, 2 Chronicles 13, 17. And these new military sites, I mean, these new advances, these new places of, uh, of, of victory, they're thinking, wow, this is for us. We're in Bethel. The word Bethel uh, in, in the Hebrew is the house of God. And everyone is happy with the results. They're thinking, wow, Asa, you're a genius. We just take some of God's money and, and God blesses us, Right? Then, word comes to Asa as a rebuke. We'd find that there uh, in 2 Chronicles 16. Uh, in this idea, 2 Chronicles 16, there's, it's a parallel account of this, of this passage, 2 Chronicles 16. We'll look at, excuse me, verse 7. So he takes the stones, we read the other part, and uh, verse 2 Chronicles 16, 7. I want to show you the rebuke that comes. You know, there's nothing, when you're successful in life, and, and something goes the way you're hoping it to go, and it goes that way, and then someone comes to you and says, listen, you're not doing this in a godly way. You're thinking, I have success. God had to be on my side. And God's saying, no, I'm not on your side. Many times we buck up, we furl our feathers, you know, our hair goes up on end. We get all, all up in arms. Who are you to tell me what to do? Who are you to, to say anything to me? Look at the victory. Look at the success. Success and quote-unquote blessings does not necessarily mean it's of God. In verse 7 of 2 Chronicles 16, At that time Hanani the seer, which is the prophet, came to Asa king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore 
is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand? He says, listen, Asa, you could have destroyed an enemy of yours. But instead, you made a league with him. You could have had victory over the pagans that are against you. But no, rather than have victory, you lock arms with them. Verse 8, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host? I mean, there was a time in Asa, early on in his, his reign, that he had, I mean, there was over a million Ethiopians against him. And he had a much smaller army, less than half. He cries out to God, and God annihilates. And that's what's talking here. We're not the Ethiopians and the Lubims, a huge host, with very many chariots and horsemen. I mean, they had the technology, Asa. Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Then Asa was wroth with the seer. Who are you? You're just a prophet. You're not the king. You don't have the weight of a kingdom on your shoulders. You don't have the politics. Who are you to tell me what to do? Do you not just see what happened there, prophet? Come on, preacher. Get with the program. And put him in a prison house. For he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Behold the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa in the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. Wow. He's saying, I went to the doctors, the doctors will heal me. There are people sometimes that their physical issues of life are not, they have physical issues, but sometimes their physical issues are not strictly physical, they're spiritual. And Asa says, I'd rather go to a doctor, he, he can heal me, than go to the Almighty God. It's a serious thing. I mean, can you imagine, and Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign, verse 13. There's nothing wrong necessarily with a doctor. But when issues come into our life, why do I try to go to professionals before I ever go to God? Why do I go to all, I'm not saying don't go to doctors, okay? We're not like the Jehovah's Witnesses or others that may do that. But I am saying, sometimes our first resort is, let's go to man. Hanani, the prophet, he says, listen Asa, you've got a problem in your heart. Who'd want to be a, I, you know what, don't sign me up to be Hannah and I. I don't want to be that guy. I mean, can you imagine going before a king and saying, King, you've been a real dummy. You, you've turned your heart against God, and God is against you. You know what, Judah would merely gain just a few towns. God's treasury was robbed. The king is now in a sinful alliance with the Syrians. I mean, this whole ordeal is unethical and ungodly. It's unholy alliance. The king had acted foolishly in his own wisdom. 
there are times when things come into our life and we think money can solve it, or we think doctors can solve it, or we think other things can have it. There's people we've known that in their very own life, because they've had some serious physical issues, uh, serious uh, you know, headaches or other things that have come, and they dealt with the bitterness, and the headaches go away. I mean, there's times. God, there, our body, soul, and spirit is one. I mean, it's connected. And Asa doesn't, I mean, in his disease, he doesn't cry out to God, give me more life. He's like, well, I've kind of lived my life. I guess I got the disease. Here's my terminal death sentence. All right, I'm okay with it. I'm not going back to God. The fundamental problem is not Judah's lack of defenses. It's not an an inept army. It's not an army that is lacking in capability. It's a leader, a king, who has lack of faith. David ended well. Sure, he had a horrible, I mean, he had a black spot on his life. David was sincere in his heart for the Lord. Asa's heart was divided. Let's look at 1 Kings 15, going back to our passage of Scripture. Verse 5, Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. God says, well, David, i got to mention you did have the affair with Bathsheba, and you killed her husband. That's a pretty dark spot. But, God says, barring that, outside of that, a perfect heart isn't a sinless heart, but it is a heart that's fully yielded to God. And King Asa revealed the wickedness of his heart by, you know what, when God does something in our heart and someone says something, maybe about an issue in our life, if I'm not, if I'm living in the pride or I'm living in a position, sometimes what is stated will evidence my heart and the evidence that comes from a particular discussion such as Hannah and I It reveals a heart of pride in Asa, which came out as anger. And then he says, I'm going to get revenge with you. How dare you come to me and tell me God told you to tell me this. You're going to prison. He will not confess his sins. He will not seek the Lord. What an awful, awful way to, to finish life. Two years later, he dies. The throne is given to his son Jehoshaphat, who probably served as a co-regent in the latter, ends, you know, the latter years of Asa's life. And, and the people made a great bonfire uh, in his honor. But the last years, excuse me, of Asa's life went up in smoke. I want you to look with me, kind of a principle of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll come back to 1 Kings, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. First King, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. That means revealed. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, 
and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. I was doing some reading in an illustration that will come up this morning in my, in my message, but uh, there's guilt. There's something that may look like gold, and there's something, and then there is gold. God's saying, if it looks like gold, fire is going to tell you if it's really gold or not. It's gonna, God's going to say, if you're doing something for me that's actually of value, when I try you, you're going to show that you actually are what you say you are. But when the hard times come, and if you've only been putting on a veneer, only an outside, a facade, that I'm a golden Christian, God says the trials will they'll call your bluff. Going on. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. God says, listen, I'm going to try you someday, either here on earth and in heaven. You're going to be tried. You're going to stand before me in everything you've done. It's going to be burned, and in that fire, it's going to reveal whether it's real or it's merely just smoke and mirrors. It's just fake. As the dynasty of Asa concludes, the historian turns to the account of the kings of Israel and will remain there until the end. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 25. We'll read through verse 31. <clears throat> so he switches from Asa and Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat takes over. Then he goes to the kings of Israel, verse 25 of 1 Kings 15. And Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, began to reign over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father. And in his son, wherewith he made Israel the sin. And Baasha, the son of Abijah, the house of Issachar, conspired against him. And Baasha smote him at Gibeathon, which belonged to the Philistines, for Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Gibeathon. Now in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, did Baasha slay him and reigned in his stead. And it came to pass when he reigned that he smote all the house of Jeroboam. He left not to Jeroboam any that breathed. Now this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Until he had destroyed him, according unto the saying of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. Man, some of these prophets, how would you like to go to Jeroboam and say, Jeroboam, you're acting like a fool, and every one of your descendants is going to be wiped out because you are a royal fool. I would not want some of these prophets' jobs. I mean, but he goes, and he obeys the Lord. He says God's word. And sometimes as a Christian, there's things we have to say to others that we just plain flat out don't want to say. But we know we should in God. Because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he sinned, and which he made Israel sin, by his provocation, wherewith he provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger, now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written... In the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. So we find here something. <laughs> Nadab's assassinated. Jeroboam reigned over Israel for 22 years. He was a wicked king. Uh, he had taken Israel. 1 Kings 15, 34. Let's read through the rest of this. And there was war between Asa and Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, began Baasha, the son of Ahijah, to reign over all Israel in Terzah twenty and four years. 
And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin. I mean, Nadab takes Israel into idolatry. Baasha, who assassinated Nadab, he takes Israel into idolatry. Let's go on here. Verse 1 and 2, Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, For as much as I exalted thee out of the dust, and made thee prince over, God still says, my people Israel. And thou hast walked in the way of Jeroboam, and hast made my people Israel to sin, to provoke me to anger with their sins. Behold, I will take away the posterity of Baasha. He says, I'm going to kill your descendants. And the posterity of his house will make thy house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. You don't take God's people into idolatry without God doing something to you. In verse 19, talking further, And for his sins which he sinned in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, and walking in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin which he did to make Israel to sin. Verse 26, going further here, the evil king. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in his sin, wherewith he made Israel to sin, to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. I mean, these next succession of kings, I mean, they're just like this spiral down, 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 down. I'm going to live life my way. I'm going to live it in money. I'm going to live it for myself. We're going to just make Israel great again. Nadab inherits his father's throne, but he maintains his father's wickedness. He's assassinated. I mean, if there's anything to say you're weak and powerless, it's to be assassinated. The border city had been a friction between Israel and, and the Philistines, and Nadab was the army of Is- with the army of Israel, directing the siege of Gibeathon, which is a Philistine city, and he's assassinated. I mean, he wanted to return to reclaim Israel to all of its glory. Basha not only kills the king, but he seizes his throne and proceeds to fulfill the prophecy of Ahijah, and he wipes out, I mean, he just wipes out Jeremiah's, Jeroboam's family, excuse me. Had Jeroboam obeyed God's word, when Solomon was sinning, the prophet came to Jeroboam, he grabbed a hold of his mantle and it tore. And the prophet said, Jeroboam, God's going to tear away Israel out of Solomon's hands because of his sins. And if you stay holy and you follow God, your descendants will stay on the throne. But you better follow God. And Jeroboam says, ah, I want the power. I'm going to do it my way. So he sets up. Two places of idols, main places of idols there in Israel. He lets anyone who has enough money, who wants to be a priest, become a priest. There's no, I mean, there's no godly prerequisites. There's no requirements. It's just you have enough money, you can be a priest, and you can do religion your way. And Basha rules, he reigns over Israel 24 years. Instead of avoiding the sins, and, and God here even tells, he says, Basha, I, I let you be exalted. Basha, I've helped you. You have been a key to fulfilling the prophecy to wipe out Jeroboam's family. And if you'll do right, I'll bless you. 
it's kind of like in our own lives. Sometimes we beat our head against a wall. We go a wrong way. God, I'm so sorry. I will never do that again. And then all of a sudden, man, we're just like right back at it twice as vigorous. Like we don't learn our lesson. Basha destroys Jeroboam's dynasty, but he couldn't destroy the word of God. The Lord sent the prophet Jehu to the king with a solemn message. He says, Baasha, your family is going to be exterminated. Another dynasty would be destroyed. Why? Because of a father's sin. A dad who goes into idolatry. Idolatry is putting anything else above God. Anything else is a priority above God in a life. Sometimes it can be, you know, it can be work. It can be jobs, family, you name it. It can be something besides putting God as a priority. Baish's descendants would become corpses, food for the dogs and the vultures. And one of the things that God would do in this idea that Baish's descendants would become food for the birds and the dogs is it was, actual, it was absolutely a terrible form of humiliation to not bury a Jewish body. And God says, listen, Basha, I'm going to show you a horrible, humi- I'm going to humiliate you and your family. Going forth here, verse 3 of uh, 1 Kings 16, it says, uh, Behold, I will take away the posterity of Basha and the posterity of his house, will make thy house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Him that dieth of Baasha, the city shall the dogs eat, and him that dieth of his in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. Now the rest of the acts of Baasha and what he did in his might are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Baasha slept with his fathers and was buried in Terza. And Elah his son reigned in his stead, and also by the hand of the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, came the word of the Lord against Baasha and against his house, even for all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord in provoking him to anger with the work of his hands. God calls us to work, but we can't work for ourselves. He says, listen, you've used the work of your hands for yourself and not for God. In being like the house of Jeroboam and because he killed him. And in the the 20th and 6th year of Asa, king of Judah, begat Elah, the son of Asa, to reign over Israel. And Terza, two years. And his son Zimri, captain of Half his chariots conspired against him as he was in Terza, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, steward of his house in Terza. And Zimri went in and smote him and killed him. In the twenty and seventh year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his stead. And it came to pass, when he began to ruin his, uh, reign, excuse me, as soon as he sat on his throne, that he slew all the house of Baasha. He left him not one that pisseth against a wall, neither of his kinsfolk nor of his friends. I mean... He lays it out. I mean, thus did Zimri destroy all the house of Baasha according to the word of the Lord, which he spake against Baasha by Jehu the prophet, for all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Elah his son, by which they sinned, and by which they made Israel to sin, in provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Basha had a normal death. But his son and that successor did not. They're assassinated. Elah appears to be a, a you know, dissolute man. He's a drunkard. I mean, he's all about the parties. Let's party on, party hard. Arza was probably like a prime minister, and both men forgot the words of Solomon. 
things about who knew a thing or two about kingship. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 16 and 17, it says, Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child and thy princes eat in the morning. Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. God hates alcohol. And here we find a truth. He says, listen, I mean, he's sitting here drunk and he's assassinated. I mean, he's, and you know what? Alcohol has destroyed so many lives. I was even called this week to someone who called me in the middle of the night, wanted me to come talk with them. They're all drunk. And I mean, it just destroys families. The assassin this time is Zimri, the captain of half of the charioteers in the army of Israel. I mean, it what happens is Israel, I mean, they're just like turnover, turnover, turnover. I mean, it's like one king after next. It's like a, a, a nation, a kingdom in complete upheaval. We find this in the world as a nation begins to go farther and farther away from the Lord. I mean, there's, just, there's more and more and more and more upheaval in that country. And there's more and more conflict. As a noted captain, Zimri would have access to the king and what a better time to kill him than when he's drunk. He has, his defenses are down. He's thinking, everyone around me is all for me. Foolishness. Like Elah's father, Zimri seizes the throne, and once he's in power, he killed every member of Basha's family. Jeroboam didn't start a very good legacy. Basha didn't have a very good legacy. And it mentions the father's sins. A father has a tremendous impact on a family. Mom and dad do. But God here mentions the father's sins. He says, listen, fathers, you better lead and lead in godliness or things are coming in your family you're not going to like. Basha had fulfilled the prophecy of Abijah and Zimri fulfilled the prophecy of Jehu. It points out that a person who fulfills divine prophecy is not innocent of sin. I mean, they... they they fulfilled prophecy, but they still murdered someone. I mean, it's kind of like Judas who betrayed Jesus. It fulfills prophecy, but he's still guilty. He's the guilty party. The dynasty of Jeroboam, wiped off. I mean, it's gone. Done. The prophecy, the dynasty of Basha, gone. But Judah, the dynasty continues. God had made a covenant with David. And that dynasty continues today as Jesus sits on the throne as fully God, fully man and the son of David because God's word comes true. When you think about the truths here, you can start out strong for the Lord, but it's a day-by-day walk because you are not guaranteed to finish strong if you start strong. You've got to keep your focus right. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you for the example of Scripture. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to uh, uh, just read the historical accounts of men and read your thoughts. And, uh, Father, your assessment of their, their kingdoms and their reign, their governments. Father, it is a great indictment against our world, our government, and many times our own lives.
Father, I ask that much like as Asa started out, when trouble comes, crying out to you for help, dealing with a reformation of, you know, rededication of getting rid of idols and things in our lives and being wholeheartedly devoted to Thee. Father, may that be true today. Moving forward in our lives, may You be glorified. Lord Jesus, I love You. Thank You what an amazing Savior You are. In Your precious name I pray. Amen.